This is CliffCentral.com. Good day, everybody. My name is Loyi Sobala. This is actually my very first show right here on Cliff Central. And uh, just, you know, just what an honor it is because what I really love about the station is the fact that, you know, you can come on and you can totally be honest about issues that you feel about. And uh, no matter, it, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not normal radio. So in other words, um, I think everybody's just really just, just free to just express their views. Um, this is the open, uh, this is the open book. Um, it's, it's a show where we're going to look at probably the, the most famous book ever, ever written. It's actually still a bestseller. It's called the Bible and really just kind of go back, you know, to find what principles that we can learn from there and, um, that we can sort of apply today. Yes. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Christian and I have to be, you know, <laughs> I have to be a Christian uh, to sort of do the show. But um, what does this actually really mean in the, you know, in the in the big scheme of things? Because if you look at Christianity, um, there are just there are just so many contradicting factors um, because there are just so many denominations. Um, I like to in my dictionary, which I'd like to call the Louis Dictionary, I call them divisions. And, um, and, 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 and all these denominations have total different views on, on all issues. So it is very hard to kind of say that you were, you were Christian, but, um, but, you know, to, to say that you're Christian and it actually means one thing. Um, let's look at some of these. For instance, We've got the Catholics who believe that Mary has has God-like abilities and uh, that it is very cool, you know, it, it is okay and cool to pray to her. And then we've got the Mormon Church who believe that um, we don't only just have a heavenly father, but uh, we also have a heavenly mother or else, you know, how could have God produced anything if there wasn't a heavenly, a heavenly mother? So I assume that when they pray, they say heavenly father and heavenly mother. Um, and then we've also got the Jehovah's Witnesses, on the other hand, who believe that Jesus is the Archangel Michael. And then we've got um, the Protestants and uh, and Baptists who believe that Jesus is God and that Jesus is not Adam, as uh, one of the transcripts sort of say about uh, you know about the Mormon belief. Now the other day, um, the other day I was I was traveling with you know with some friends of mine. Um, we were we were going to do a gig up in uh, up in Bulugwane, and uh, they Seventh Day Adventist. And so I asked them, I was like, so guys, would you tell me what is what is the difference uh, between what you believe and uh, and and between what others believe? They said, well, there are a lot of differences, but but the one different thing about about us. Um, is the fact that we believe that you know when people when people die they don't go straight to heaven or um, or to hell as as some of you guys might believe obviously I had a different belief to them but that you are unconscious till till judgment day and then on that day you will be resurrected but not everybody will be resurrected the only people who will be resurrected are the righteous Christians um because obviously it is a it is it is a privilege to be resurrected you know with with Christ and then everybody else who is not righteous or um or, or who is not good will just um will will just cease to to exist another and another claim um that i can that i kind of remember is of a it's of a preacher um well he was I, I guess was a preacher before he was you know he was kicked out of his church and um he wrote a book that said that um there 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 probably will be no you know no heaven or hell but that we choose our heaven or hell here on earth 
you know, depending on the choices that we that we make. And um, and and the book is called um, the book is called Love Wins, which uh, which a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine, Nathan Rose, actually kind of believes quite strongly in it. So you can see that you know there are there are just so many different views and just so many things that um, that people that people believe that actually I think I think that if if you know we shouldn't you know if churches were I mean like if you know denominations. Might as well just be, um, just be, just be political parties because everybody has just their own, their own constitution. But then again, I believe that, uh, you know, we shouldn't have, we shouldn't have a different constitution because we already have one. And that is called the Bible. It contains the truth, the whole truth by which we are to live by. And the problem is, the problem is we call ourselves Christians, yet we do not take even the time to read and understand the Bible for ourselves, but we easily believe what others, what others say, and we stand by it. That's why you find that a lot, you know, like a lot of Christians, they go to war against each other. This has happened in history. And, um, and we believe things that are just totally otherwise from other Christians. But whereas if we all knew the truth, because I don't believe that the Bible has different sides to it, I believe that the truth is one. Um, there'd be no need for tolerance or even intolerance in Christianity because once again, the truth is one. Now, the goal of this show is not to tell you what I think is right or what I think is wrong, but to really present the biblical truth by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who according to John chapter 16 verse 13, reveals and guides us to all truth. And then from there, you really have the right to make your own informed decisions on how you're going to live your life. Deuteronomy verse 30, um, uh, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, Today I've given you the choices between life and death, between blessings and curses, but now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choices you make, or that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. In other words, the choices that we make are going to either lead to life or to death. Yeah, my name is Lois Obala, and welcome to the open book. So welcome back to, uh, to the, to the open book with Luis Obana. This is our very first show right here on Cliff Central. We've actually got some messages, um, coming through on our, uh, on our WeChat. Uh, got one from Gloria Miriam Olema. And it says, um, um, it was a pleasure meeting you at Light of the Nations in, uh, in, in Bulugwane. Thank you so much. I remember kind of going there. O- awesome stuff. And then we got one from Gloria as well. Uh, which says, good to hear Lois speak about our Lord, biblical truth. Uh, see, Apambili, the open book. Uh, we haven't even, <laughs> we haven't even started. Um, so, so yeah, we were speaking about the, you know, today we're going to speak about the Bible and really just the, just the, just the validity of it, you know, sort of just really just how, how, how relevant is this book, um, to, to, to us today. So what do we know about it? You know, for some of you guys who don't, who don't know much, I was actually reading an article earlier on that said that nearly half of American teenagers think that Joan of Arc, um, was, um, was the wife of Noah, Noah from the Ark, get it? Um, so, so this is what we know to be true, that the Bible was written over a span of 1,500 years. Um, it was by 40 authors, and it consists of 66 books. Um, and unlike other, other religious writings, the Bible reads as a factual news account of real events, places, people, and dialogue. Now, um, I went to, I went to Bible school in, uh, in, in 2010, and what I was taught 
Um, I was taught that the five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Uh, what I kind of remember as well is that the Psalms were written mostly by, by David and that the Gospels, I mean, the Gospels are pretty self-explanatory. It's by those guys whom the Gospels are named after, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after that, you've got, uh, you've got the 13 letters, um, that, that prominent, you know, Christians at the time wrote, um, to, to either churches around the, you know, like around the world because Christianity was starting to spread at that time or even to, 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 to very influential individuals, you know, within sectors of the church. And these are called, you know, these are called the, the letters. Then there are 13 of them in the New Testament. And Paul, uh, if you remember Paul, um, Paul is the guy who, um, who used to murder, who used to murder Christians. And then on his way to Damascus, a flash of light came and it was Jesus standing right in front of him. And that sort of changed his life. So Paul wrote seven of those books. And the last book, which I'm still finding very hard to understand called the Revela- you know, called Revelations was written by one of the, of the disciples called John. Now, I know that some of us have opened the book and that you, we've tried to read it at some point in time. I've got to tell you the story. Uh, when I was at the Dragonsburg, because it was a Christian school, um, after, when you, after, after you've gotten ready in the morning, uh, before breakfast, we used to, we, we used to have something called, um, quiet time. It was when you would, you would, uh, you, you would sit on your bed, you would all open the Bible. It was compulsory and, um, and you would read quietly and also Pray quietly. Now, at the time, I was about, I was about 12 years old. Um, uh, that thing seemed so strange to me. It was, I could imagine it's like a five-year-old watching, you know, watching game, um, uh, game of Thrones. I mean, there was, it, it was, it was wars. It was talks of heaven and hell, talks of punishment. There was the crucifixion. Um, and, uh, and one very interesting book on there was a book called Songs of Solomon. Uh, yeah. Which was sort of like a, an R18 for us at the time. As a matter of fact, I remember that we were actually banned from reading the, uh, that book later on in the day because every single time during dinner, one of us would come out and then read a scripture and then pray. Um, one of the naughty guys used to always open up to the, to the songs of Solomon and start talking about breasts and all sort of things that are contained in there, which to us were just so, you know, it was so far removed from what, you know, from what the Bible kind of spoke or preached about. Um, at that at that time, but but I guess all of us, you know, we do kind of get into the. Sometimes we we get moved to open our Bibles, and because we could, because we want to, we want to, we want to know God. I mean, um, the entire thing is really fascinating, but somehow we do kind of feel we do kind of feel removed from it. Um, because, because the world that we're reading, I mean, look, if the Bible was written over a period of, of, um, of, 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 of a thousand, you know, of a thousand five hundred years and, and the last book, according to the, you know, to the Bible that's there now was written thousands of years ago. Um, there's nothing about Alvis or, or Michael Jackson in there that, you know, that, that's sort of a little bit more relevant to us. Well. Wow. Seeing that I'm a, I'm a little older now. <laughs> um, or even, so, so we find that like, you know, we find that like it is, it, it really, really is like a bit removed. Um, the world that's reading about is, it's primitive. It's, it's barb, it's barbaric in a way. It's, it's agricultural and it's, um, and, and it's unmechanical. And there are also, you know, some really, really interesting characters. You read about Abraham, the man of faith who, who needed to uh, sacrifice the son. We read about Moses who, um, who, uh, who became a murderer later on in his life and then had to go into exile. And 
And then after the burning bush encounter was, um, was, he was confronted by God to go back and uh, to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. There's David who's the shepherd who battles with a giant called Goliath and then he, he, he then becomes king. Um, he commits adultery, um, gets punished for that, but then somehow out of that relationship, um, and out of the, uh, out of that marriage, which comes from, uh, from his adultery, uh, the wisest king is born by the name of Solomon. And then in the line of Solomon, we get, you know, Jesus, you know, we get Jesus, the man from Galilee who performs miracles, who dies on the cross for our sins, who's raised up and then poof, there he goes up to heaven. And, uh, and, and we're all saved. So it's, Look, let's be honest. I think to the to the normal person, if you know, if I can call it that, uh, because I never, I, I don't have a word to say. That does count, you know. That does kind of sound a bit, you know, um, a bit far fetched. And um, I believe, and still do believe, that um, you know, all the all the Bible said um, is is true, and um, and that God, you know, really did great things. In a way, in a way, I. Um, I kind of, I, I don't know how I can, you know, how I can, how I can sort of say this. It's sort of like, I feel like, yeah, you know, God was great back then, and 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 I feel kind of kind of downhearted by it, by the fact that I I, I kind of wish that I was in that place, uh, because somehow, you know, God used to used to walk, you know, God walked with Adam, God spoke to Moses, and some of us. Probably a good 95% of us would probably say that we've never heard that And that maybe if God spoke to me That maybe I would have a direction for my life I've heard, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people say that today But also, but, but at the same time There is relevance in the Bible So I've actually got a, you know I've, I've got a guest, um, a, a good friend of mine Here in studio today um, Wayne Chafunya who's, who's simply known as just Pastor Pastor Chaff, you know Wayne Chaff, and um, he is he is the he is the young adults young adults pastor at uh, at Rama Bible Church under Pastor under Pastor Ray McCauley. Um So this is the guy. I mean, like literally week in week out. He he also he's also the the pastor for the for the for the campuses um, that Rama looks after uh, in in Gauteng and I guess maybe around South Africa. So he's the guy who who actually like literally has to take this book and then um, and then. And then explain it to to young people in a way that is going to bring relevance to them. Um, so I've called Wayne in, Wayne in studio. What's up, Wayne? Hey, man. Good morning. <laughs> Good to have you. Good to have you here. Um, I think let's sort of let's sort of get right right into it. I mean, look, how relevant is the Bible to to young people today? Well, I think before I can go there, I gotta say um, congratulations on uh, your new show. Uh, I believe Thank that you. the inspired word of God needs to continue to find an authentic postmodern expression, uh, not just in style or format, but in terms of the deep structures on how we think and how we live. Um, you see, um, the Bible contains life-changing messages of freedom. Um, yeah. It contains guidance, wisdom, and forgiveness. And furthermore, it also contains life principles that will, will guide us in how to live this life. And I mean, like, and 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 how do you? Because obviously, you have to read the Bible. So, um, how do you read it in a way that is that is relevant? You know, that that is relevant to young people. How do you teach that? I think um, today, um, you you cannot just you know get people in one room and begin to read the Bible and and get it like just like that. What you have to do, we have to understand that uh, 
um, the message is still the same. It's still the same. It doesn't change. Uh, it's mm-hmm. called progressive revelation. It was true then, true now, and it's going to be true tomorrow. But the methods change. Yeah. So we, we, what we find to be useful mm-hmm. is that uh, you have um, to use stories. If you look at the life of Jesus, he taught stories which then were called parables. We also need to get a place where we, 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 we pull those kind of stories uh, and make them relevant today by using uh, modern examples of what people could relate to. Because like, if you speak about donkeys, there are people who are born in town and they've never seen a donkey in their life. Yeah, uh, That was a form of transportation. Today you can use a car and, and you still uh, be relevant to them. Yeah. So, so use the things that they see uh, and the stuff that they experience on a daily basis and bring the message across. Okay. You know what? Uh, before I go into the questions, uh, I have... There's a, there's a, there's a WeChat that I've just received. It says, Loiso, I am religiously confused. Maybe pause the traffic and help me in answering this. Loiso, I'm religiously confused. When I go to church, um, I just get bored. I don't like most of what I'd, I'd done in church. I don't want to sing. And I, well, well, I guess probably what she means is that what gets done in church. Um, this is Temba, not sorry, the guy. Sorry, Temba. Um, I don't want to sing and I don't want to lift up my hands up and down as instructed in the church. How can I finally fit in church? Because I would like to feel home when I am in church. Lastly, are you just going to focus on Christianity or you will also educate us about other religions? Um, maybe let me just answer that. Uh, let me answer that last one. Look, what you have over here is obviously called the open book. Um, I would, I would like to call other, you know, like other leaders from, you know, from, uh, from other sectors of religion, just so that we can just sort of come in and just debate, you know, debate religion and, and learn a little bit from others. But it is called the open book. And, uh, my ex, you know, my expertise or my experience, um, is, you know, like is in the Bible. Um, we said earlier on that the Bible is, you know, is the, it's been the biggest seller. Um, over over many years, I think since the since the 15th century. So um, so that's what it's going to be based on. And then um, maybe Pastor Chaffee can maybe just sort of answer that. You know, like the the question of the fact that I mean, do they have to lift up their hands in church? Can people just be themselves? Um, it, what is expected of us when we are you know like when we are a church? I think first of all to uh, to begin to understand what the church is, it's very important because a lot of people think that the church is a place where you go to. Uh, a church is who we are. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to the uh, subject of worship and, 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 and being in church and being able to worship God, um, it's all to do with a relationship first. Yeah. Um, so out of, out of a relationship, then you're able to worship God. But if you don't sense that feeling of you being in a relationship, it's always viewed as out of duty and it becomes relig- religious. Uh, act that you do and that's why you find people have um, uh, trouble or other problems actually in actually participating in in worship but if you if you get to a place where you understand that uh it's out of a relationship that you actually worship it's just like having a friend mm. um that you talk to uh, all the time um, yeah. it's easy for you guys to do stuff together it's easy for you to speak to that person but if someone who just married and and and, and they want to like you know um, Tell you stuff to do, whatever it becomes, it becomes hard. So uh, my my advice to um to um our our, our listeners is that uh, they need to get into a place where there's a relationship. Out of that flows an authentic worship that comes out. Yeah. It, it's not really something that happens outwardly. Uh, eventually, there's an outward expression, but it begins in the inside. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's all right. You know, like also just traveling with some other friends of mine that I you know like that I sing with. Um, this one guy says. 
because we're, we were out, we were out uh, in the sort of singing in the Bundus there somewhere. And he said, you know, um, when we woke up the following day, because we're all staying at this one apartment, he said, this morning I went, um, I, I went out to the woods and just there by the river. True story, I promise. I know woods and river sounds like a movie. Uh, he says, I went out to the woods and, um, and, 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 and I felt God, you know, I felt God there. For me, sometimes it's, it's in those spaces that, um, that, that I feel the presence of God more than, you know, more than at church. You see, the thing is because we've made church a place instead of, you know, instead of church being the gathering, I mean, like, you know, the, the gathering yeah. of the church, you know, churches, yeah. churches us. When we together, the Bible says that when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, um, in the midst. Um, but so, so yes, I believe that, you know, it is, it is good to, it is good for you to be on your own and just to really kind of believe that, um, yeah, but you know, God is still with you when you're there. But something always happens when we, when we get together. We learn from other people. We, yeah. we hear what God has to say to others. Um, the biggest, the biggest lessons in the Bible have been taught um, when when people are gathered together, yeah. um, I mean, you know, if you look at if you look at Matthew six, um, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, you know, um, uh, which is probably one of the most famous sermons that uh, that Jesus ever preached. Not to say that some things to say is less important, or more important than others, um, uh, but that was, you know, that was during the gathering. Uh, people know the story of um, of when he feeds the the five thousand. It, it's it, it's in a gathering. Great things happen. When we, um, when we gather together, because at the end of the day, when Jesus comes, he's not going to come for one person, he's going to come for the church. Um, so, so I think more and more, and I think also, you know, being South African, we must also know that what the, what the youth, we're always better with others because what the youth did in, uh, in, 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 in 76, uh, what Madiba and those guys, you know, like, uh, sort of did, um, did, it was, it, it was always as, as a unity. There definitely is more power in unity. So, um, so yeah, you know, like, don't stop meeting up, meeting up with people, but don't ever think that it's just okay, um, for you, for you to sort of be on your own. Um, we're gonna go, uh, we're gonna go into an ad break and, uh, and, and play a song, one of my favorite songs called, uh, called Still, uh, from, from Hillsong. So hope you guys enjoy and we'll see you on the other side of this. Choice. Sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't. AutoTrader gives you the choice. Now you can shop, compare and buy new cars. Watch our expert video reviews and research before you buy. AutoTrader new car. The choice is yours. Stand a chance to buy a brand new mystery car for just 99 cents. You heard right, 99 cents. Follow the clues on Twitter at AutotraderSA and use the hashtag 99CentNewCar. This is The Open Book and uh, I am Lois Obala sitting in studio with a good friend of mine, Pastor Wayne Chaff, uh, talking about the relevance of uh, of the Bible to uh, to us young people. Um, I, was, I was speaking earlier on about just uh, just how... So how can how confusing it 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 really really can be? But before I get back to Pastor Chef, um, I've got a gentleman online. Um, he goes by the name of Tyrell Hag. Um, just a little bit of information about Tyrell. Uh, pastor Tyrell is uh, is is the pastor of Heritage Baptist Church in uh, in in Melville. And uh, he was a runner-up in the 2013 South African Blog Awards in the religious spiritual category. Um, he is. A theologian and apologist with a passion for preaching, uh, the local church evangelism, city churches, and cultural studies. Uh, 
Pastor, Pastor Tyrell, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, shame, and we heard that you got stuck in traffic on your way in. Yeah, that that, that wasn't all of us. Uh, you know, I, I woke up and I went to drive and my tire was flat. Oh, no. So I started there and that was a bad start to the morning. <laughs> Oh no, Shem, sorry about that. But you know what? It's good enough. It's good enough having you. It's good enough having you on. Um, really, really, just thank you so much for the time. And, no, no, it's a pleasure. I'm sorry that I couldn't be there with you guys. I would have preferred that. No, but it's cool though. You're sounding loud and clear just from the other side. Um, yeah, Pastor Sarah, I think you know. Um, let's get. Let's just get into it. You know, finding the 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 the, the validity of this Bible that we read. I'm going to ask you just a few questions. Um, first of all, is there proof for the inspiration of the Bible? Because we've heard that you know the the Bible is God breathed. Second um, Timothy chapter three verse sixteen um, says says Christ, uh, says the 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 Bible is the inspired God breathed word of God, and that its teachings is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice. Yes. So is there proof for this? Well, look, I mean, you've, you've got to have the book's own self-claim to its authenticity. So you've got the 2 Timothy 3.16. You've also got 2 Peter 1 verse 20 that talks about what the inspiration process looked like, that uh, men were carried along by the will of God. Um, and it's difficult to talk about proving someone's final authority um, without appealing to that authority. So I like to start there, and I'm glad that you've already started with those things. But there are things that we can look look to inside the Scriptures. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, the fulfilled prophecy that we, we see in the Bible. So God spoke to them, telling them things that, you know, would happen in the future, and, and they've occurred. You know, I mean, 300 prophecies regarding Jesus Christ's first coming um, all took place um, accurately. Yeah. So, you know, the fulfillment of prophecy would be one place. The other thing would be the unity of Scripture. I mean, the, the Bible was written by approximately 40 authors over about 1,600 years, and they were very different people, different walks of life, different continents, three different continents. And yet, despite all of those different circumstances, the great themes of Scripture are maintained, and, and I'll even posit that the Bible doesn't contradict itself, and, and that there's no way for that to happen unless you've also got a single author which is God himself. You know, then we could talk yeah. about archaeology, and we could talk about the way the Bible depicts um, the heroes themselves in the Scripture and shows their faults and shows their weaknesses. And, you know, all of these come together to show us that, you know, there is inspiration and that this is God's Word. Yeah, no great stuff. Um, and then... Is you know um, some people always argue that they kind of think that you know the Bible has been watered down over the years because of all the because of all the translations. Um, there's a book that I was reading uh, which said uh, I think it's called Revealing or or Finding. What's it called again? It's, it's Seeking Allah and Finding Jesus. And one of the arguments you know like that this guy had, who obviously was a was a Muslim before he converted to Christian, um, was that um, he said that. He, um, he said, he said that, you know, the Quran has one version. So there's no ways that, like, it could have been tampered with. Um, so, so, so is there any chance of, of the translations of the Bible just over time having been, um, having been tampered with? And maybe what you're reading today is not close to the, to the real deal of the original manuscripts. Yeah. You, you know, one of the, one of the problems we've got here is a problem of definition. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when we say translations, there's actually 41 different translations of the Quran. For example, uh-huh. um, 
There's not one because a translation process, translating from one language into another, um, there's a spectrum on which that can occur. You know, whenever I ask somebody, how do you say this in your language, they kind of have to stop and think about it for a while. And sometimes I'll ask somebody else now, how would we say, you know, Mm. um, some things are not so simple. So there's a difference between translations and and, um, actual original manuscripts. Now, what's, what's great about the Bible is that we've got what's called a rich manuscript tradition. Yeah. So let me try and give you an example. The letter, Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians. Uh-huh. We believe that letter was inspired. Now, the Ephesians started making copies of that letter and sending it to all the other churches around, saying, look at what Paul wrote to us. And those cities started making copies and sending it to other places. Now, if at any point somebody changed it, say one city further away, um, decided to change it, some city in Egypt. Let's, let's add something in here. You've got the rest of the manuscript tradition, the rest of the copies that have been sent out, yeah. and scholars can collect it and say, wait a minute, you know, all of the letters from the earliest ones we've got, every in every other region, they all agree, as they were passed down, that at a certain stage, there was an, an addition made at this one place, and that was later on. So we can see there's no way that Somebody could change the Bible without everybody knowing it because we have a rich manuscript tradition. You know, yeah. if you compare that yeah. with the Quran, the, there was only one. You know, Zayd bin Tabit, under the guidance of Muhammad's father-in-law, Abu Bakr, um, compiled one Quran, and then in 650 AD, a group of Arab scholars produced a unified version, and they destroyed all variant copies to preserve yeah. the unity of the Quran. So we actually don't know... For example, if that manuscript tradition, if anything's been changed because we don't have the variants, whereas with the, with the Bible that we have as Christians, we're able to see the manuscript tradition and say, wait a minute, somebody made a change here, because look at what the rest of the manuscript said, there's been an addition. Wow. And then, um, there's also been claims of, of, of those lost or hidden, you know, like of those lost or hidden books in the Bible. Um, were those omitted? I mean, kind of speaking about, I mean, I've heard about the the, the book of Judas, um, and the book of Thomas, uh, I think the book of Mary Magdalene as well. Um, what about, I mean, like, what about those, what about those manuscripts that were, that were found? Why aren't they in the Bible? Yeah, you know, the, the, the supposed lost books were actually never lost. Um, oh. they're, they're so-called lost, but we already know, um, that, that Jews and Christians never considered them to be inspired. They, they weren't lost, and they weren't removed from the Bible. They were just never part of the Bible to begin with. Um, okay. uh, and they're not included for a number of reasons. I mean, they, don't, they lack any apostolic or prophetic authorship. They don't claim to be the Word of God, and they contain unbiblical concepts and really great historical inaccuracies. Uh, you know, none of them were ever authoritative or inspired, either by a Jewish prophet or a Christian apostle, Right. They were written by other people that were somehow associated with the religion of Christianity and tried to take it in their own direction. Okay. Um, the other, the, the other question, the other question I want to ask is that you know in the book of in, in the book of Enoch, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Jude, uh, well, Jude only has one chapter, fourteen and fifteen, um, because we're speaking about because we're speaking about the inspired word of God, 
right? Yes. And um, and obviously, and obviously, the books we've just spoken about now, like the Book of Judas, the Book of Thomas, um, those never, those th- there is nothing, you know, th- nobody ever ever validated those books, so to say. Um, yes, but yes. yet, when we look um, at Jude, which is in the Bible, uh, chapter one, verse fourteen and fifteen, um, Jude actually quotes a um, a a a. A, he quotes a saying which, which sounds like it comes from, from, from a book of Enoch. If I can read it, it says, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about them. This is that, you know, and then it goes on and it speaks of a prophecy and we know that Enoch lived like like centuries, if not thousands of years before um, yeah. uh, before Jude, uh, before Jude, and so which means that the you know what he was saying because the entire Bible is um, is the inspired you know is the inspired word of God, and um, yeah. and then so so if this what he quoted what Jude quoted was inspired, shouldn't uh, doesn't it mean that maybe that book should have also probably been in the Bible, the book of uh, the book of Enoch? Yeah. So, just to give you a couple of other examples, you know, Paul quotes uh, Epimenides in Titus 1 verse 12. Um, yeah. But no one ever thinks that Epimenides was inspired. Um, even in the book of Proverbs, a lot of the Proverbs are actually just wisdom that was common in the, the Middle Eastern world at the time. So does that mean that the rest of the writings of the Middle Eastern world of the time um, was uh, also inspired? Yeah. So, you know, starting with that, there's a debate whether or not Jude was actually quoting the apocryphal book of Enoch or something else that had the same um, that had the same quote. But let's put that debate aside. If this quote is from the book of Enoch, it doesn't affect the doctrine of inspiration, and it doesn't mean that the early church removed it because of, you know, internal inconsistencies. Because, first of all, the book of Enoch was not considered scripture by the Christian church. Mm-hmm. Um there was some discussion on its can, um, canonicity by a few people, but the Christian church didn't include it in the Bible. And, and secondly, Luke, Jude only quoted something that was true in Enoch. It doesn't mean that everything was inspired, just like Paul quoting Epimenides or, or yeah. Solomon using some of the wisdom there. So God would have shown Jude, you know what, take this quote, this is relevant, this is something that's true and that's applied in the situation. But it lacks any of the other authenticating um Markers, even the Jewish canon doesn't include it. Okay, great stuff. Um, so, so uh, you know, if the Bible doesn't, um, if the Bible doesn't contradict, you know, like the, the 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 Bible, as we were saying, you know, it's the same, it's the same story from the beginning till the um, yeah. till the very end. It's about, you know, it's about it's about God's goodness. These are things that I've also read, and have uh, and have come across it's about God's goodness and and His plan to. To really sort of um, to 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 get back to having a relationship with with uh, with humankind, but somehow there seems to be a difference, um, and this is a huge debate between the the Old Testament God and the and the New Testament God. I mean, the Old, right. the Old Testament was pretty harsh, um, and if yeah. you look at a lot of issues today, the reason people are saying, "Yeah, you know, Christianity is racist, Christianity is homophobic." Um, but then, but then some people will try and use a New Testament God to say, no, actually God is not like that. Um, why is there such a difference between the Old Testament God and the New Testament God? You know, I think at the, at the very heart of this question lies a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Old and New Testament reveals about God. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and what you're saying is basically, you know, the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath, and the God of the New Testament is a God of love. Um, yeah. Now, the fact that the, that the Bible is God's progressive revelation of himself 
to was through historical events and and through his relationship with people throughout history, uh, that might contribute to that misconception. But if you read the Old and New Testament clearly, it becomes evident that there is no difference between the gods. So, I mean, for example, throughout the Old Testament, God is declared to be compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Mm. Uh, In the New Testament, God's loving kindness and mercy are manifest more fully um, through the fact that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. At the same time, throughout the Old Testament, we see God dealing with Israel the same way a loving father deals with a child. And when they willfully sinned against him and began to worship idols, God punished them. But we see the same thing in the New Testament when Hebrews 12, verse 6 tells us that the Lord punishes those that he loves. Um, yeah. You've got a lot of wrath in the New Testament. You have people being judged for not partaking of the Lord's table in a worthy way. You've got Amias and Sapphira being struck dead. In fact, you've got the cross, which is one of the clearest places to see the wrath of God. I mean, the cross is not a pretty sight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's beautiful in one place, but at the same time, it's very horrific what's happening. Father, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. Um, so so I, I think what it is, it's... it's it's the same God throughout both Testaments, but it's what is being more clearly revealed or what at least we're more keenly attuned to seeing when we look at the different Testaments. Uh, so then is it... Um, it's, coming, it's, coming back to the, it's coming back to the Bible again, right? Because um, and, and another, another question I, you know, and, and another thing I've, I've been questioning myself is the fact that, you know, um, there is the last book in the Bible called Revelations, and that was many, many years ago. Um, the Bible was written, uh, obviously, from the time of, you know, from the time of Moses up until, up until, up until John. Well, at least I know that it, does, it doesn't run as, as, as a story that it jumps from here to there. Like, for instance, I've heard that, you know, Job is, is, um, is the first book that was ever written and Job sort of appears close to the middle of the Bible. Um, is it, is it possible that maybe, um, more books could be added that were written after, you know, like after the Bible time to sort of teach us or, um, or is that it? Yeah. You know, the Bible begins with the very beginning of humanity in Genesis, and it ends with the end of humanity, as you just mentioned in Revelation. And everything in between is for our benefit as believers. Mm. Um, you know, we know from 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, it says that all Scripture is breathed up by God and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work. You know, if, if further books were to be added to the Bible, that would um, be equal to saying that what we have today, what Christians have had for 2,000 years, is not everything they need to know. Um, And although it directly applies to the book of Revelation, Revelation 22, verse 18 to 20, teaches us an important truth about adding to God's Word. He says, I warn everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And that would be adding to the canon, because you're adding on to the end of of Revelation. Um, We also believe God's all-powerful, and God would have preserved his words. So uh, we would not expect, and there cannot be anything to add to the complete and sufficient word that has been given. There's no reason, biblically or theologically, uh, to believe that there's any need for God to do so. Everything we need for life and godliness is contained in what God has preserved for us in uh, the canon of Scripture. Sure. 
Um, Tyrell, so what's the, what's the best way, um, what's the best way that, uh, you know, to your views that, that we can, we can read the Bible, you know, cause I'm sure maybe some people will be motivated to go in there and, uh, you know, and check it out for themselves, try and get some nuggets for their lives, but they may actually not know where to start and, uh, and how best to, you know, how best to interpret what's, what's in there. So my, my suggestion is the best place, if you're going to start off reading the Bible, is to start with the Gospel of John. So that would be the fourth book in the New Testament. You're going to have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John's a, a great place to start. Yeah. And, and I'd encourage you to have a pencil with you. And as you're going through and you have questions, what does this mean or what's going on, to, to you know, to write, make a circle, make a question mark, because the author... Um, will answer the questions very often that you're that you're seeking to ask, and um, it's perhaps not the best thing to try and approach the Bible purely academically. Like you know, I'm going to go and get a whole lot of head knowledge now and and be super clever and you know all deep and spiritual, but rather to go and say you know God, um, speak to me. You know, if you don't believe that there's a God, if you're not sure, to say you know I don't know, but if there is a God, let me hear you speak to me through through this writing. Let me hear, let me see. Um, and, and go with a, with a humble attitude and an attitude that's, that's ready to hear from God. And then read yeah. chunks that allow you to think about it. So, you know, read a chapter or two chapters a day or, or three chapters, you know, depending on how, how good a reader you are and how much you're able to take in. But don't just, like, go and, and skim read the book of John and be like, yeah, I've read it and uh, there's nothing really there. You know, that's, that's yeah. not the way you're going to approach a piece of literature that you're seeking to gain something from. No, awesome um, stuff. But really, um, it's a book about God. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I must say that, um, that, that, that growing up, I'd heard about this God. I believed that I believed this God. But one day I said, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to study. And, uh, if you're there and if you really, it's such a big God as you say to, you know, like as you say you are, um, then, then reveal yourself, you know, reveal yourself in, in the, in the words. So, that's so, brilliant. That's yeah. the attitude you got to go with. Yeah. And, and with just that, it, it no, it, it doesn't mean that there's a, there's an Afrikaans word called Vinchat. It doesn't mean yeah. that, you know, we've been, we've been all, you know, like we've been all, uh, all full of ourselves, people, you know, before God. I believe that we also need to have, you know, need to have a, a strong standpoint and say, listen, reveal yourself now. Do you know what I mean? And, and I believe that, you know, those who knock, the door will be opened and those who call out, you know, like that, uh, they shall no, get the answers that the they Lord, want. If you seek the Lord, if you seek the Lord, you'll find them. If you draw yeah. near to God, he'll draw near to you. Awesome stuff. Listen, um, yeah, I wish we could have you for longer, but, uh, but, but I'm sure we'll have you again at, uh, you know, at a later stage. But thank you so much for your time and, uh, and hopefully you're no, not still stuck in traffic that, uh, you're closer to home than you are to here. Right now, I'm, I'm way closer to you. I think I'm literally two Ks from you. Ah, maybe you can meet up for some, for a little bit of coffee afterwards. All right, cool. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's Tyrell, uh, Tyrell Hag. Um, Pastor Tyrell Hag, thank you so much for your time. Um, just, you know, I, I think it's, I think right about now, I should just let people know what the open book is about. Um, well, this is what it's about, right? Because Christians are, are very divided on just many issues involving the Christianity way of life. Um, in other words, so, so the question is, where should we stand on matters, you know, such as purpose, relationship, um, the power of words and how the Bible relates to us in our daily life. Now, this show, The Open Book, it, it hopes to unravel the truth contained in the Christian Constitution. I call it the Christian Constitution, uh, which is the Bible, to really help us make informed decisions 
of where we should stand on these and other crucial issues. This is not about a denomination. It is all about the Bible and finding the truth that we need. Um, before I'm out of here, I'm going to just come back to, to Pastor Chaff. You know, to do, just to get just to get some truth on how we young people can um, can can read a, can read the Bible or or get or get information from the Bible that is relevant to us today. Um, and I won't have enough, you know, much time for this. But 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 here's one. You know, um, I'm going to call Pastor Chaff again um, when I'm back here on Cliff Central, and we're going to literally talk about the subject. But maybe you want to just touch a little bit on it. Um, where in the Bible does it say that? Um, that young people, for instance, uh, must not have sex before marriage, and uh, and what is your view on that? You know, should they be, should they be in that position? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I see the the Bible contains a lot of guidance concerning these issues here, and and the Bible is like the only book that that has the author present when when you read it. Yeah. So you can ask questions and you you get answers. Um, there are many reasons why that is discouraged uh, for young people to um, to have sex before they get married. Like if you go to the, let's start with the book of Amos three three, which says, "How can two walk together unless they have agreed to do so?" And they think that look, when when you're dating, it's a messy affair because there there are no guidelines. Yeah, it's 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 not, it's not a, le- a level play field. You but, can walk uh, out when you want to. Yes. Um, but in uh, in in First Corinthians seven uh, verses eight to nine, it, it reads. To the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to remain single. Uh, this is Paul advising them, uh, and if they cannot exercise self-control, then they should they should get married. Um, that's one. And the second one is First Corinthians six eighteen to twenty. It says, uh, "Flee from sexual immorality." It, it talks about uh, once you, you you begin to have sex uh, before the covenant is sealed. It, it it presents a lot of challenges, meaning that look emotionally, you're sharing your life with someone else who doesn't really guarantee they'll be there forever uh, with you. And secondly, also, it's 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 if if God designed sex to be within the covenant, um, that's when you get the best out of it. Yeah. And and if it's that. outside of that, it presents a lot of challenges emotionally, uh, physically, even to the place where like you you get to a place where you by the time you you settle down, you have been with twenty people and you share part of you with those twenty people, and mm-hmm. and, and that also. I uh, can create trust issues uh, with uh, later on um, uh, relationships. Absolutely, and I think you know um, we can say we can say as much as as much as we can and can quote as many scriptures as possible. This is for you to take and uh, to make an informed decision. That is what the the open book has been about. But today has been about the validity of the Bible, and um, I've got two questions for you, uh, whoever's listening to this. And number one is um, from whence comes humanity's universal moral sense? Um, if you believe that there is no God. The second one is, if man is nothing but the random arrangements of molecules, what motivates you to care and to live honorable, uh, honorably in the word? So this is not just to Christians, but just to everybody out there. Thank you so much, and see you next time on The Open Book. Cliffcentral.com.